it's called it's called Deserts of Karak, and it's instead of being in space, it's actually on a planet, and plays much more much more like a regular RTS. And Ben and my buddy Ryan and I were playing it, and the homeworld games have always had this, but Deserts of Karak nails it. the The interaction between your ships is so natural, where like I like I said, I'll send you a video that's just dialogue between like one of your capital ships and like it's um, resource miners mm-hmm. where they're like calling in and being like, Hey, uh, can you check on this area over here? I just got a little bit of radar ping and want to know what it is. And then like commands like, yep, yeah, we're checking it out right now. And then in a couple of seconds, they're like, Hey, it's fine. Just a couple of <laughs> insert creature here. But like, they just like back and forth hanging out and talking and it That's sounds awesome, so yeah. natural and so good that like, I want to create an audio drama that uses that as well. Where like, instead of just like story intensive bits also have little world building bits where someone's like pulling into a station to dock, to meet somebody. Yeah. And the meet somebody is the part that's scripted out and feels like a conversation um, that you would hear anywhere else. But also like those little liminal moments where you're like seeing the people interact with the world and the world feeling real. Yeah. Uh, that stuff's what? so good. I want to say that that's a product as well of like really good acting. And that's something that we don't get a lot anymore. Um, Yeah. Especially in those little, especially in those little, those little literally non, non essential bits. Like these could have just been like, just that noise. And you're like, fine. Right. But instead it's like they hired a dozen actors to just like, just be people and hang out. And it's great. It's great. I love it. I want to insert one 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 more story about ageism uh, before we go uh, back to the the deeper dive into the lore. This is hilarious. Hadn't been playing Sea of Thieves very long. I was waiting for somebody else to get on. I think it was Ben or whatever. So I decided I would just get a ship and just try driving it because I had never done that before. So <laughs> it spawns you in on an island and I went to the nearest island as slow as I could go. And as I was approaching this island, the ship came up behind me and they started shoot, firing their cannons at me. And it's, I had the proximity chat on. And I went, uh, hey, guys, um, there's no need to shoot. I just started playing. I don't have any loot. I'm just a grandma. You don't need to beat me up. And the kid said to the other kid, this guy says he's a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And they sunk my ship. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and they sunk my battleship. ship. Uh, amazing, amazing. That's my, that's my last age story. That's fine. This guy that's says fine. he's a grandma. This guy says he's a grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because that's absolutely something that someone's done. Probably yeah, been yeah, like, with voice ah, changers don't, or don't hurt me. Yeah, it does something yeah. with a voice changer or makes a voice or plays it up. Um, but you know, sometimes <laughs> that's real. Um, <laughs> you never know. Um, so let's talk about Destiny, what it is story-wise, right? So like, hmm, how to get into this? Um, I guess it's kind of important to think about the history of Bungie, right? Like with the Halo games and building this story for nearly two decades, like a decade and a half, I guess, um, about this big global conflict. They decided to again go with that. I guess it to mean global, universal conflict. They decided to go with that again, but rather than being universal, they did localize a little bit and made it focused on the solar, our solar system. Um, but uh, yeah, the game starts and you are a dead body in a, in a rotted out traffic jam of people trying Trust to evac- Dark souls start. Yeah, yeah. You're being risen from the dead. Yep, you're resurrected by this little floating sprite that was originally voiced by um peter dinklage peter dinklage i was gonna say Tyrion because i'm a nerd um <laughs> and i loved peter dinklage's voice but Me that's too, fine it was yeah. fine they were like it's too robotic i was like it's a fucking robot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you want yeah. yeah um but yeah so this guy re- resurrects you uh this little robot resurrects you and goes hey um so you're a guardian and we have to get to the tower. And you're like, I don't even know what that means. Um, 
So yeah, that's how the game starts, but the, the setting takes place on an Earth that's past its prime, largely, uh, or greatly past its prime. Um, the golden age of humanity was this period where we extended our our fingers out to all the planets in the solar system and built colonies on Titan and Europa and Venus and Mars and all sorts of stuff on the moon. And then, and it was all because we discovered this thing called the Traveler, right? This big white orb that we discovered floating over the surface of Mars and then went to Mars to figure out what it was. Uh, and it prompted just like exponential growth in the human ability to travel the stars. But then things started to come into the solar system that were seemingly following the traveler, um, which we'll get into this in a little bit, seeming to want to snuff out its light, which may not exactly be the case anymore. Um, the traveler was mortally wounded over a city on earth after most of earth had been overrun. And it saved that city and created the Guardians, who it like resurrect. It sent out these little ghosts, was what we call them. These little, these little droid, these little drones that fly around and like give you aid and have AI in them. Um, but then would choose people or beings based on some intrinsic quality and resurrect them and recruit them by resurrecting them. Uh, into the fight to defend the tr the traveler, um, yeah, is that kind of catching it? Yeah, no, that's a it's a very good generic way of putting it. Sure, yeah. Um, and so the first game walks you through the process of like getting your digs and realizing like, okay, this is what I got to do, and there's some stuff happening, and we got to figure it out, and then. The second game goes into much, much more complex things. So we'll get to that. Um, but what what happens in that first game? Y'all played it more recently, and I I remember it, but y'all played it more recently. So walk me walk me through why Destiny One's important to the story we're encountering today. Okay. Um, is, I hope you guys don't mind that I take the reins on this one really. No, quickly. no. I'll um, jump in. You know, I usually do. So yeah, Destiny One. To, I'll keep it as like nutshell as possible. There's obviously a lot to go into, um, but initially, yeah, you you rise from the dead, um, you fight your way through old Russia to get a ship uh, that'll that has the capabilities of taking you back to the tower, which is where you meet the rest of the guardians and the vanguard and the speaker for the traveler and everything like that. And um, the speaker tells you, uh, gives you a little bit of backstory and tells you, this is where we are with you humanity. You were woken up by your ghost to help defend the Traveler and hopefully rebuild um, humanity once again. Uh, because, yeah, really, humanity is limited to this small city that lives underneath the Traveler. Um, and yeah. nowhere outside of that, really, anybody lives or exists. Um, except for, you know, like, there are different things I'll get into about that. But the majority of humanity itself lives beneath this Traveler in this last safe city. Um, so you head back to the tower and they tell you about the threats on the moon, essentially of the hive that are, um, you know, up and coming They're They're fallen that are messing around on the moon as well. And you're kind of sent there on like a recon mission, but, um, you, you go there and you realize that the hive is emerging and is a greater threat threat, um, to humanity than really anything else in that moment. Um, so you go to figure out like uh, more about this guy named Crota, and uh, he's this big bad god that the Hive are trying to resurrect. Um, and you go and like basically suck out all this information from a Hive database. Um, but in the process of doing that, uh, you you come across this transmission of this this stranger um, who tells you to meet her on Venus. So you eventually get you know your your warp drive and you head over to venus um and you meet up with her in this old academy and she tells you about this even greater threat that exists within the universe uh, called the vex and they're these robots that are organic life forms but in a robotic shell uh, and that that's you know a story for another time as well but so then <laughs> 
she ta talks about the black heart, which is this uh, this form of what I will refer to as the darkness right now, um, what the whole game refers to as the darkness. Uh, but the Vex are worshiping this dark heart inside of this realm that we don't know how to get into. Um, and if the dark heart grows in strength, it can be devastating to humanity. So then our whole mission becomes um, trying to find out how to get into the uh, realm that this place, this uh, dark heart exists within called the Black Garden. Um, you realize that the gate is on Mars that will get you into the Black Garden. Uh, but the only way to open the gate is by killing a gate lord, which is what we learned from meeting up with this race called the Awoken in the reef, which is in the asteroid belt. Uh, so we go onto Venus, kill this giant vex called a gate lord, get its eye, charge the eye, open up the gate into the black garden, uh, go destroy all the uh, vex surrounding the black heart, and the final group of vex, uh, the, the black heart puts its own energy into these vex, and when you kill the vex, you destroy the black heart. That being said, I know that was a lengthy <laughs> description mm -hmm. of what happened initially, but it sets up like the whole idea. The reason that the story for Destiny was so highly criticized back then is because it's it's kind of all over the place, and there's no like, yeah, there's beautiful Kate. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no like, there's no solid ending to it, and I think everyone was expecting a Halo ending, yeah, where sure, it sure. has this like finalization. But what they were doing was setting up this humongous universe with mm -hmm. the fallen the hive the cabal um the vex and that catalysts into so many greater things so in destiny one you pass that point you go on to stop crota from being summoned into this world and you actually invade his world and kill him and his soul in his own world and then that angers his dad oryx who comes to our solar system with an entire army and you invade his ship um, and you kill Oryx, but before you can like finally kill him, he uses this power that he's been using to take control of every single living creature in the universe to make them part of his army. He uses that power to take himself <laughs> and puts him into his own, what's called a throne world. So you once again invade his world and kill him at his heart. Um, and during the whole process of invading his ship, you piss off um, a group of Cabal, <laughs> And uh, that is what catalysts into Destiny 2. But uh, in the interim, we end up finding out... Oh, that's out right. That... Sorry, I'm going to interrupt. I forgot that the Cabal also landed on the Dreadnought. Yeah. And that you could find them calling for backup and being like, uh, there's more here than just this hive ship. We mm -hmm. should take these guys out. Too. I remember finding that like audio log and being like, oh, shit. Well, Sorry. it's this. No, no, it's okay. It's, it actually comes from the strike, um, the Shield Brothers, where you you go on. They're about to blow like the core of the Dreadnought, which is Oryx's ship, and yeah. you actually kill the Shield Brothers and stop them because if they blew it up, it would you know blow up the entire solar system essentially. Um, you don't want everybody to die. Uh, so I when you kill the Shield Brothers, it sends a distress signal back to the Cabal leaders, who yeah. uh, ends up being the Red Legion and coming back and. Um, invading Earth and Destiny 2. But so in the interim between that and Destiny 2, uh, we meet up with, you know, an iconic legend, uh, Lord Saladin, who uh, the, has realized that the Fallen have gotten into an old technology in old Russia and reawakened it called the Siva. And the Siva is this wonderful technology that was created to basically be the solution to all things, uh, but instead has become an infection that yeah. was locked away, but the Fallen opened it up, and we have to go back in and seal it again. Uh, in the meantime, destroying these crazy, like, splicer-like uh, Fallen that just have techno... Like, the Fallen are generally technology-based anyway, but with this, like, crazy technology, they're able to create these absolute abominations of creatures and things that you have to go in and destroy. So yeah. that, in... <laughs> As nutshelled of a form as possible is the story of Destiny One. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and, so and and were there with how many uh, DLCs were there? Four, technically Between... four. Yeah, so okay. dark, the, the dark below. Two, yeah, House of Wolves, House which of introduced the Prison of Elders. 
Yep. Um, the Taken King, and then Rise of Iron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did that off of memory. <laughs> That's good. It's good. He did just describe all of those campaigns, though. So you, <laughs> yeah. you did refresh. I didn't really that. touch on House of Wolves, though, because there's not a lot from it. Like, Yeah, it was kind of a... Uh, it was basically a, a PvE, like, new mode. The Prison of Elders yeah, that let it, you like run was... through and like do increasingly difficult runs against bosses yeah. you'd already played. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. Well, yeah, to lightly touch on House of Wolves, I guess the reason it's not important to the story overall, um, except for possibly just introducing a little bit into Forsaken yeah. in Destiny 2. Yeah, um, really, all that happens is uh, the Awoken, like, uh, I don't know the Awoken community in the reef. Um, they basically captured some fallen. Um, these fallen end up breaking out and getting loose. Uh, they try to find a new leader who is Skolas, and he just wanders around the universe trying to gather the fallen back together. And um, you just take out Skolas, and that's it. <laughs> like, there's, <laughs> there's nothing that's yeah. truly deep to it. Yep. So, yep. It does. It does come in, yeah, later with the beginning of Forsaken. But again, that's... there was a there was a mechanic in the first game that they didn't carry over into the second game, and that is the vanguard. Hmm. Vanguard being the leader of the different factions. Is that even a right word? The vanguards are around in Destiny too. Yeah. So the yeah, but they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a slightly different mechanic. Do you guys want to talk about that? Because I kind of miss that. Yeah, I mean to. To anybody that's unaware of like what the Vanguard is when it comes to Destiny, it's this group of leaders that collectively lead the Guardians and make decisions uh, for the best of the city. So there's a Titan Vanguard, a Hunter Vanguard, and a Warlock Vanguard. And that's Zavala, Ikora, and Cade. And in the first game, they're more of a collective unit. You see them as the Vanguard. You see them as the ones making the decisions and working together. And you know discussing things around a big table in destiny 2 the game starts off with them being separated and Mm -hmm. uh it is still to this day a huge separation that hasn't ever been like truly like reconnected it's really Mm -hmm. weird because a lot of the initial red war story had to do with the vanguard coming back together but instead of them being around like a singular table at the new tower or anything like that they're still off in their own places and you know, um, Zavala's over here in this tower, part of the tower. Ikora's all the way on the other side of the tower. Cade, uh, because of story reasons, is dead now. So they don't even have a Hunter Vanguard. There's just this huge split uh, that's that hasn't really like been attempted to be mended and ever since Destiny 2 really mm-hmm. started. I just, yeah. I, I feel badly for people that haven't played one. They probably yeah. have no idea what the significance of these characters are and you do have to speak to them. Now they've got Hawthorne um, that you need to speak to on a regular basis, but um, she's not really a faction leader either. She's certainly not a handguard. But I just feel sorry for people that don't have that loyalty to those individuals. It's interesting because to me, it doesn't seem like the loyalty is incredibly important. Like, I know that Savala, Ikora, and Cade were big characters, but also largely like when they finally did come into play a little bit at the end of the first game and at the beginning of the second game, when you're like fighting against the cabal and trying to like take the tower back after you get cast out of it, like it was cool to see them finally jump into action, but because they were, you're fine because they were largely just like figureheads that you would like get quests from. I was kind of like, cool. They didn't really do much. Um, so, like, in Destiny 2, when... Well, yeah, yeah, we, we already said it, so it's not spoilers. But also, the game's mm-hmm. been out for three years, so get over it. Um, <laughs> when when it. Cade died, I was like, okay. I didn't no, really... No, I, didn't... I cried. Oh, I didn't. Well, I cried. Also... Here's what it was... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, I was going to say, here, the here's where... It went... When Cade died, I didn't really. You guys told me the backstory of him, but because I hadn't played Destiny One, I didn't really have any emotional connection. 
And then we played Destiny 1, and I understood what the Vanguard really was because they were in that ring together around that table. It's like, oh, okay. I mm-hmm. get now. And the, it, all the pieces just kind of fell into place. And then we moved back into Destiny 2, and, and then I understood the sadness of Cade mm-hmm. and just the whole connection. So, I mean, Destiny and, 1 is critical. Yeah. And, I, uh, and you're not going to understand Ikora's character either. Unless you understand what her connection to Cade was, you know, how ferocious she she, ferociously she tried to defend him. And anyway, I guess I guess in the end, I kind of felt like Cade had it coming. (laughs) Well, like the we we brought this up briefly before um, the the prison of elders not really pertaining much story relevance to much other than like giving us uh, Varix. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's again and Queen Mara, right? And, and yeah, the Queen Prince Alden um, and stuff. But. Like, and Varix is still in the game, as far as I know. Uh, don't spoil Destiny Two too much because yeah, I he, am going to get back into has, it. Playing the latest, <laughs> not Destiny Two, but Last Light. Yeah, Last Light. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's Beyond yeah. Light. I always wanted to call it the Metro game, Last Light, not Beyond <laughs> Light. Um. Like the prison of elders has a prison break. That's what leads to Cade's death, right? Yeah. Yeah. And while you're playing that mission, Cade is speaking very denigratingly about the fallen, who are like a fully intelligent society, who we also have found out since initially interacting with them in Destiny 1 were the guardians before, or were the shepherds of the traveler before. Mm-hmm. And then the traveler just said, fuck it, and left. And so they're like, what do we do now? So, like, the fallen Follow are like... the traveler. <laughs> well, the fallen are, like, kind of these tragic heroes in a way that, like, are just trying to get back to the thing that, like, made them who they are. Yeah, well, and more we're... so, to be more specific, their, their, whole, their whole humanity or civilization, uh, like, at that point when the traveler left, they relied on the traveler's, like, benefits so much that when the traveler left, it like destroyed almost their entire civilization. Yeah. It really, so really did damage to them. Was getting the traveler to come back. Right. So here they're coming to like save their people. And we're like, pew, pew, their heads pop and it looks cool. Like, don't get me wrong. It's fine. It's fun. It's game mechanics. But the, 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 the writers also made this a part of the story, right? Where you would eventually find out that these beings are like deeply in desperation. So, the prison of elders has a prison break. And so a bunch of fallen leaders and people who are only trying to save their people and who have been imprisoned by it are trying to break or have been imprisoned by other people are trying to break out. And all the way down Cade's like these savages, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, this is gross. I don't like it. And then they, when they get Cade and like kind of toy with them before they kill him, I was like, this is, it felt very like, yes, it was sad that Cade died, but also mm. it also felt very liberating to see the fallen. Like we fuck you. <laughs> we just want to be okay again. And you put us in jail and killed us repeatedly for fun. I think we need to make a clarification um, here though, that um, first of all, the prison break wasn't just the fallen. It was hive right. cabal fallen. Right. Um, and the, the fallen that killed Cade was actually um, an undead version of them called the Scorn. These That's fallen right. that are the Scorn no longer actually like have like tangible thoughts. They oh. they are literally undead. Nice. And um, that that should be noted because these aren't the same fallen that are trying to fight for their survival. These fallen are literally like just zombies. killing machines. Uh, yeah, killing. sure. Sure. Okay. That changes my opinion a little bit. That's good to know. Yeah. That's why we're yeah, doing yeah. this. That's why we're talking about this. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, Cade remains to this day my favorite character. And I really. For the it's really time, weird that like, he's dead to me. Yeah. Because. I kept, for the longest time I kept thinking he was, they were going to write him back in. So well, Exos. Exos. he is an Exo. Yeah. Well, Exos die and re. Well, not die, I guess. But like they have. Like the reason Banshee is called Banshee Forty Four is because he's the forty fourth iteration of 
Banshee, right? He well, is, don't he's tell him. Same... He doesn't know this. He no, 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 no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil anything about okay. Banshee specifically, but I'm gonna talk about like the resets. Um, yeah, the resets. I think that's a um, misconception that isn't really touched on enough in the game. Um, your dog's the, your dog's number... mad at me for not knowing yeah. my facts. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, <laughs> the number beside an exo's name is how many times they've been reset, but that is not based off of um, how many times they've been rebuilt or how many times they've died. That's simply like. Um, like a essentially a reset of their brain uh and they can be reset for so many different reasons usually like you know faulty workings or right. um you know the clovis bray the people who built the exos wanting to wipe their memory for one reason or another um, but it can also be like a self-choice like for banshee um i won't spoil anything to you about what happens like i i will say stuff that is not a spoiler necessarily, but this is all stuff that happens in in Last Light, yeah, and Beyond Light. Yeah, Beyond Light. Damn, I did it again. <laughs> he so did it again. Banshee, he was in a great battle against the Vex, and there were so many times where, like during the battle, he specifically requested to be reset um, for a very specific reason. But so with each one of those resets, uh, their mind becomes weaker and more fragile. And so the fact that he's Banshee 44, his mind's been reset 44 times. He does not remember like anything pretty much at all about his earlier life. He can barely remember. He has like no short term uh, sure. memory at all. Like nothing. <laughs> it, it affects the mind. But that's not because he died 44 times. That's but, just um, because. Sure. But, but you might just real quickly, because they're on the outside chance someone's watching this because they, they're like, hear old people talking about games can you <laughs> tell people what an exo is yeah i think it's important to distinguish the other two races as mm -hmm. well um there are mm -hmm. humans there are awoken and there are exos and that's what humanity mainly consists of now so humans are very obvious we're human you're human whatever so you've got normal humans that exist within this um and in, in this universe but you also have awoken who were part of humanity that were fleeing when the collapse happened um, ended up I, I like the details are a little bit fuzzy with the Awoken, but um, it was something along the lines, I believe of like the radiation and them living out in the reef and all these things happening where it transformed their like physical being um, into Awoken. So they have like more purpley and blue and translucent skin. Um, and possess powers that humanity, normal humans, don't possess. Um, the Exos are the final race, and they are literally people that chose to have their consciousness transferred into robots. Um, or, uh, sorry, not all of them chose to, though. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not absolutely sure. Yeah. That was uh, always voluntary. Once again, no spoilers. Yeah, there were a lot yeah. of Exos that were involuntary. Mm -hmm. uh, and put into these robotic bodies against their will. And that's actually been one of the greatest mysteries about Exos up until Beyond Light was what is the history behind them? Where did they come from? Who are the people that chose to or didn't choose to go into these bodies? All that we knew up until Beyond Light was that these used to be people and just had their consciousness transferred into a robotic body. Yeah. I mean, if you want to break it down to like, real brass tacks every guardian is involuntarily been resurrected yeah as well which then leads they, to they the should question be awoken as far as i'm concerned <laughs> well i mean awoken. i mean it, it, but it also leads to the questions of like well i mean I, i'm kind of diverting our current uh train of thought but there's a i talked about this last time about like realizing that the traveler might not be benevolent it might not be good, all good. It might just be there. <laughs> and yeah. the Guardians might not actually be to protect humanity. They might just be a failsafe so that the Traveler can, like, survive until it can leave. Um, Again, and what another that, race. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, it was going to leave. And then it got mortally wounded, so it couldn't leave. It was going to do to the humans what it did to the Fallen. And then Rasputin was like, but nah. You. Um, and there's a lot of alluding to that in like the dialogue of the game 
um yeah. specifically with like the light between or the line between light and dark is so very thin saying right. that well which side is really like the correct one um then you have like during the prophecy dungeon you have the drifter um ha like asking all these questions about like what's the point of the dark what's the difference between the light and the dark and you know this mysterious group called the nine uh, are responding saying exactly the question is the answer what's the difference between the light and the dark um both sure. are killing and for for whose side so mm -hmm. right it does come down to it was one of those things that i actually when i very first played you know destiny before the even the first expansion came out i was like okay we're killing all these things in the name of the light but um are are we the better ones for this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. um i i i wish and i'm hoping at some point I will have the kind of emotional connection to the desperation of the human race that I get when I play Halo. And I didn't, of course, at first, but as the game progresses, especially towards, you know, four and five, and things are so desperate, and it makes the killing feel different. I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> what I mean to say, but, but yeah, but I, I, started to feel you know because i played it a couple times and then i've watched the cutscenes over and over and over, and over again so i could remember stuff and talk about the on the podcast but um so it feels like i've played it like five or six times but each time it's just like we played uh reach we just finished it a week or so ago and i was so i was almost weeping i was so sad yeah, which is I incredibly have, sad. <laughs> I have not had that connection at any point in Destiny. I've not had that emotional connection to the desperation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Christian I've... said, you're living in a tower <sighs> overlooking a city, which is the last bastion of humanity. Yeah, and, but... and you should have a gut feeling about that. It's interesting because I think I know the reason why I don't. And it's kind of what I was just saying a moment ago, is that like in the Halo games context be damned right like if you haven't read the books then you may miss a lot of what's mm -hmm. happened um or what's happening but like even without the extra material you can tell that like all of what the chief is doing and the humans are doing is like at least in the first game uh an act of survival and then in halo 2 it's they show up and then yeah. on in halo 2 they show up on earth and you're like oh god and then in halo 3 they come back to earth and they bring the flood and you're like this is the worst thing possible uh, and then ODST and Reach are, Reach is just the prequel to one. So like, if one is you trying to survive, Reach is what led to you being able to run to then mm -hmm. be able to try and survive. And ODST takes place during Halo 2 as soon as you leave Earth. Like, in Halo 2, when you're leaving Africa, New Mombasa, and that ship jumps in the city and wrecks the city, that is the exact shockwave that the ODSTs are falling into. Mm -hmm. That sends them all over the city and makes them have to go find each other. So, like, they all happen at the same time. But, like, all of this is humanity fighting for survival and trying to survive. Um, and what's interesting about Destiny is that it's kind of the diet. It's kind of a, the opposite of that. Like, you're not, even if you're human, you're technically kind of not anymore because you died. Mm -hmm. And then this mm -hmm. giant thing with ulterior motives that are still a mystery, largely, to many people, woke you back up to protect it. And the fact that it protects humanity in that city underneath it is completely... Uh, Beside the point. Collateral. Completely collateral. Yeah. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. there's humans under here. I guess they'll be safe because the things I created are going to protect me and I'm over this. So, like... By mm -hmm. association, so it's almost, they're safe. It's almost a religious. It's almost a religious um, worship of of the traveler because the the vanguard expressly believe in the in the positive. Yeah, it's interesting because the the speaker wasn't a character that seemed to be super important because his death was kind of like. <laughs> but every single time he spoke, I was like, "This dude's full of shit." Not because oh, really? I thought what he was saying was wrong, but because I thought what he was saying was what the traveler wanted us to hear. But it was Bill Nye, so you had to write. Bill Nye, he plays a good bad guy, so it's fine either way. <laughs> He's a great uh, 
the Davy Jones. Um, I think this game is so good at showing you that the world isn't just black and white. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that literally everything can be a gray area, and with what you've just talked about, it's hard because yeah, the traveler's trying to keep itself alive, but humanity is also. Right. Um, but it's hard. It's symbiotic. <laughs> it's it's hard to parasitic. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to empathize with humanity though, um, in this game when you're just killing so much, but at the same time, everything's trying to kill you right back. So it's it's one of those things that like everything's so gray. And with the speaker, this is once again information that um, may or may not be a spoiler for you specifically. And I, I apologize, fine. but it's important it's to this. Go for it. Go for it. Discussion. Um, so Prince Aldrin, after he dies, he comes back as a guardian. Um, and now he is wandering around the tower, what is known as the crow. Um, and he doesn't remember anything about his past life. And he is all about, uh, you know, his dedication to the vanguard and to humanity and to the traveler. Um, and he talks about how the traveler has been um, giving him these weird dreams um, as if the traveler is travelers directly speaking to him which is what happened to us at the very beginning of Destiny 2. The Traveler, once it became, once it was put in danger by the Cabal, it gave us a dream and communicated with us to what to do in order to, um, you know, regroup with the light, essentially. Right, sure. So what we can assume is that even though the speaker kind of spoke a bunch of just shit, um, we can assume that the Traveler was talking to him through dreams. And those are sometimes hard to interpret, of course. Um, and it's weird because with everything that the speaker would say, you didn't know whether or not to believe it. But I think that's just playing into the whole gray area of things because you can say, like, yeah, the traveler wants us to do this, to do that. Like, it's we're here to defend it. But why? Right. So that we can yeah. survive. But then... Mm-hmm our survival is based off of other things not surviving and same to them so it's like at eventually it comes all the way back around to what the exo stranger says in the very first game is that you must always take a side even if it's the wrong side because what else what other choice do you have you can't just mm-hmm. not fight you yeah. can't you can't be neutral there's no neutral side. you just have to choose a side yeah. even mm-hmm. if it's the wrong side it's really interesting and I love it because like this is this feels a lot like where Bungie was going with Halo. And where I think that 343 has taken Halo even though they've maybe fumbled the the delivery the last couple of the, the first couple of times they tried. Um is that like Halo started as like ooh bang big bang let's go blow stuff mm-hmm. up. And then like as you started to get into what was actually happening you realize, like, oh, humans are fighting for survival, which is what I said a moment ago. But then, like, even before Bungie handed it off, they were writing stories um, that, like, made it very clear that, like, most of the people you're interacting with are kind of terrible. And also, Master Chief is an indoctrinated child. Like, not not saying his, like, maturity, he's a child. Saying that, like, He's only what he is because he was kidnapped from his house when he was six and then, like, trained at a military base from that age until now. And at, like, age 15 was pumped full of chemicals and drugs to, like, augment his body in a process that was so shitty it killed half the people they did it to. Um, Like, he's the result of extreme trauma. And you're like supposed to just feel good and be the savior of humanity but then you start thinking like well what about this guy <laughs> like he's gone through a lot of shit and then you start realizing mm-hmm. that like yes humanity's fighting for survival but that means humanity starts doing some real shady stuff to stay alive and then you start questioning like does this version of humanity deserve to survive because it's not great anymore <laughs> it's just us doing everything we can to survive and then as we get into Halo 4 and Halo 5, that, that, that story changes a little bit, but still is very much focused on, like, should we even be here? Like, this is something that's only mentioned in the books, which is a big problem for Halo 5. But, like, when you get to Sanghelios, which 
case if if you guys are going to play through those games, you'll get there. But Nan and Christian, yeah. you'll remember. She hasn't gotten four or five yet. Yeah. So without spoiling what happens on Sanghelios, it's the home planet of the elites, which are the big wart, 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 wart guys that now speak in English uh, and don't say <laughs> that um, because we can understand them now. But like when you get there, they're in the middle of a civil war and it's like the arbiter against the covenant because the covenant's still a thing. It's just fractured and radical. And the reason that civil war is happening is because Oni, the office of naval intelligence fed the radicals that once wanted to wipe humanity off the face of the, off the face of the galaxy fed money and weapons and Intel to the radicals so that they would fight each other so much that they would kill each other off. And then you show up and you ask the arbiter for help. And he's kind of like, fuck you. <laughs> no, because I'm fighting a war that you started. And so like, as those games progress, you feel less and less like the good guys are clearly good. And like Bungie just took that thread that they were starting to weave into this type of storytelling and took it into destiny. And that's one of the main reasons why I kind of regret falling off it as hard as I did, because hmm. all the stuff I read on the outside is like, yeah, they're doing this. Like, what is this giant Idrisil looking tree? And like, wait, is the traveler actually an egg? Is there something in it that's going to come out? Is the thing that's in it a black pyramid? Is that where the pyramids are coming? Like all of these questions that may be completely just fan conjecture or maybe true is wildly interesting because it may mean that like the last seven years of you playing this game has been you as the bad guy and everybody mm -hmm. else being like we need to stop this and you being like no <laughs> which, which we is kind of get awesome. a, we kind of get a like an idea of a look at the future of where we're going with the story when because they announced obviously the next three expansions when they announced beyond light right they announced beyond light uh the witch queen and um light fall Right, which and they're gonna have one more after that they have yet to announce, um, but they did say that there's gonna be one uh, final one after Lightfall for this this part of the Destiny saga. Uh, but just with the the name Lightfall in general, that kind of gives us an idea that we're gonna be hitting some pretty rock bottom stuff with humanity, and uh, where we may be learning that either the light's not so good or the dark's not so bad. Or we have no control over any of it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I love, I love the, like Caleb was saying, the, the, the mature, maturation of Halo. Like Caleb said, it started out as just kind of like, oorah, big guns. It's yeah. the kid bush, you know, a little boy fantasy. <laughs> Maybe big boy fantasy. <laughs> um, and then, Probably and then turned, Yeah, and then turned into a complex you know, emotional drama. Um, I'm kind of excited to see um, and hear your your input into Destiny. And I and I maybe I really had really thought about that is is this being the progression that they've allowed this game to proceed to um, that same kind of maturation, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Appreciate your insight. It's interesting to think of it as a maturation because coincidentally, a lot of games are doing this right now. And it, a lot of people see it as like the game industry getting woke. And I think it's dumb. That's not the case. Because mm -hmm. what in reality is happening is in 2000, when Halo was being developed, and in 2001, when Halo was released, the development team was 20 and 30 something mm -hmm. who were just like Doom, Quake, Wolfenstein. Let's make one of those and let's make it dope. And 20 years later, all those people are parents. And all those people have lived through a 20-year-long war that started the same year as Halo did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all those people are interacting with a world that's far more transparent and far more vague. And like, well, well, mm -hmm. maybe no war is good. <laughs> Which, like, maybe wasn't right. something that a lot of people thought in 2001 when we were like, yeah, let's go. Now we're all like, maybe conflict fucking sucks period um and so like it makes sense then for the story of master chief this guy who's always been a soldier to be getting to a point now where he's like i don't want to do this mm -hmm. so i don't want to listen to he's, you anymore i'm gonna do what's right for me and it makes even he's more 40 sense years old now caleb he's like 50 
He's 50. Okay. Yeah, he's old. Yeah, he's, he's old. He's old for a soldier, but he's a super soldier. So mm-hmm. Captain America was 104 or whatever. Um, <laughs> the So Destiny very much feels like that same thing. Like Bungie was telling, and we, we talked about this, Nan, when we were playing through the Halo games. You get to Halo 3, mm-hmm. um, and you're like, oh, Des- Bungie's ability to tell the stories changed drastically. But Halo mm-hmm. 2 is, we talked about this last time we recorded, Halo 2 is by far my favorite Halo game because of what it's doing with its story. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's so nerdy and so heady and so like, let's confront war mongering and mm-hmm. religious, uh, zealous zealots. And like, let's make those two things hit each other and realize they're kind of the same thing. Um, but you can really see Bungie's ability to tell that story change over time. And I think it's tied to the fact that like, the people that work there and the people that make games have gotten older. Yeah. Games are an older thing now. So there are people that are 40 and 50 and yeah. have kids. The story's grown like, up. Mm-hmm, yeah. as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Can we say something? We're probably going to have to st- start thinking about winding it down. Yeah. We're for getting sure. to the for sure. two, two and three quarters or yeah. Anyway, hour and three quarters. Anyway. Um, We're at two hours. The, the, Uglier the enemy, the easier it is to kill. The more alien, the more foreign. You know, it's easier to plug them because they're not us. You know, they have forearms, not two, and they've they've got exo bodies, and they've got you know they've got white fluid inside of them, not blood, and you know all these kind of things. Um, and then you start to know them, and you start to know their story, and all of a sudden you you you're starting to feel conflict. You're start you you've got yeah. to do it because that's that's the game. But um, I, it's just like, <laughs> I don't want the grunts to make a happy birthday sound when you kill them because you told me that the grunts were the most abused in, in Halo, the, the most abused, most um, taken advantage of all the races in, in the Covenant. And, oh, yeah, the, um, grunt, the grunts are guys. slaves. What? Yeah. What? Oh, no, bad guy. Oh, yeah. Run <laughs> <laughs> right away! Yeah. Um. <laughs> And that silly birthday sound effect, I straight away said, don't Grunt, do that. Grunt birthday party is fun. And I get it. Yeah, it's, it's just for fun. It's just yeah. for fun. But like, that's that's once a that's a party foul. Once, yeah. yeah, it's a party foul mm-hmm. on me for starting your first playthrough with Grunt birthday party, which was the playthrough <laughs> where you were like, what? <coughs> well, one, why is this Who happening? Who are these guys? <laughs> and then me being like, um, they're kind of... Well, it's a little skull you turn on case that when you get a headshot on the little grunts, they pop and confetti comes out and it goes, uh, yay! And it's kind of gruesome. <laughs> really bad. Um, but like, it's also fun. Well, back um, when you're 14, it's just funny. And it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, exactly. But so that was, but that was part of the way I justified turning into a, a murderer, a virtual murderer, and <laughs> playing these shooters is like, I'm just killing aliens. I'm just right. killing aliens. That used to be the the joke with uh with with dad dad and me. It's just like, oh, I'm just gonna go kill some aliens. Here you go, Case. You this know? is what Grunt Birthday Party sounds like. <laughs> oh, did that not come through? It's not gonna come no. through. <laughs> Dang it. Well it's gonna play in the podcast for everybody that listens. Okay. But <laughs> for some reason I can't get my soundboard to play through Discord anymore. It's aggravated. Oh um, okay, we're all going can I interject? Really yeah, go quick? for it. Sure. Go for it. Um, Please do. Yeah, no, I, I think you guys are making a lot of really great points about like exactly the maturity of the storytelling and everything because, um, yeah, video gaming used to yeah just be run and gun, shoot them down, whatever. You you kill them all, you win. Um, and especially with Destiny, we didn't think about it much at the beginning, but I think that's part of what's been such a great what a it's been such a great move on Bungie because um, and I'll I'll allude back to the days when I played Modern Warfare 2 uh, for my very first time. With There's a story mission in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 where you are, what, some, like, Russians or something walking through an airport, and you're literally just, like, the goal is to shoot down all of these uh, normal bystanders uh, that are just in the airport, and they're running from you, and you just shoot them down. They're not fighting back. They're running away from you. And uh, the very first time I played it, I didn't shoot a single person because it's the most awful feeling um, to have a gun in your hand shooting at people running away. Um, and sure. that's because, yeah, like Christy said, you don't want to kill something that greatly resembles yourself. 
And so when it's coming down to what's happening in Destiny with the story that's unfolding with the Fallen and um, with, you know, how we're interacting with other... And now even the Cabal, like with the most recent season, um, we're starting to find the humanity in Cabal, um, even though they're one of the most non uh humanity i don't know they they have like no remorse or anything um but now that we're starting to see the fallen more like us and the cabal more like us we're starting to feel more and more like do i really want to kill them do i really want to keep mm -hmm. doing this i feel sad i feel bad about it yeah um, so yeah it's yeah. it's been very interesting and i think they waited so long to pull this out not only because they had to build the universe but because they had to build up the fact that we had been killing them for so long and make it second nature that like, we don't even think about it, but now we're questioning all of mm -hmm. our actions for the past six years or more, you know? Yeah. Interesting point. It's pretty great. Mm. I think about that call of duty mission all of the time. Yeah. It's one of the worst missions to play because of the feeling that you get when you're yep. doing it. But it's one of my favorite missions in a call of duty ironically it stands out that's for sure well it's it's interesting and i guess we can kind of wrap on uh after this but it's interesting because it, it's, it's the game was self-aware enough to be like yo if you don't want to do this you, you don't have to we'll just yeah. tell you in a cutscene what happened um and so like i appreciate them for that but i remember as a kid being like this makes no sense why am i why did they let us do this this is dumb and then uh later still feeling weird about it but also understanding that like that mission is like a huge set piece for why the game takes place and that like you are these russian terrorists that yes yeah, shoot up an airport but before the elevator door opens and you start to do that the leader turns around and looks at you and says no russian you're like what and you play through the whole level and anytime they ask you a question it's in English. So if like you don't shoot, they'll look at you and be like, why aren't you shooting? Um, I think to get them to not do that, I just shot above people the whole time. Hmm. Um, so that they wouldn't like question me because they're not paying attention where you're shooting. Um, but they would look at you and say, why aren't you shooting? Not in Russian, but in English. And then at the end, you're about to get in a van to run away. And the leader stops you, the last person to get on the van, before you're on the van, and shoots you in the chest twice and kills you. And then they leave. And then the news that picks up afterwards in the cutscene is basically Russian police descending upon this scene and then finding your dead body and witnesses hearing them only speak English and your character being a CIA agent who had infiltrated a Russian terrorist group. And the Russian knew that. And so he said no English and then did this heinous act so that it, the people that were there would only hear English and the only body found would be a CIA mm -hmm. agent so that they could blame America for doing this and start a war. Which, like, Now that never happens. <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> I, remember, I remember understanding that when I got older and being like, wow, that's actually really elaborate and really cool. I still think it could have just been a cutscene, But like, mm -hmm. that's fine. Um, mm -hmm. But that's why I say it's one of my favorite level ideas, because I think the idea is very, very, very good. I think giving people the verbs to participate in that is really mm. dumb. But mm -hmm. video games, right? And whatever. Uh, well, let's before we go, I want to know what everybody's playing these days besides Destiny. Casey, what are you playing these days? Uh, Anthem. Start, started on Anthem. <laughs> It's amazing That's how it. many people have gotten into that game now that we know it's dead. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. How do you how'd you like the intro? Loved it. I loved it. I love the feeling of we talked about this being able to fly and mm. in the air and underwater, and just the feeling of that is incredible. So I'm really excited to to actually play the game with other people. And, and, and that would be that would be you, me, and Kara tomorrow yes right okay. yes yes okay yes yes ma'am okay <laughs> christian what are you up to these days besides destiny uh 
this week has been a lot of just the same old destiny and dead by daylight uh but i did decide to boot up my playstation for the first time in like a year um and play some play some journey and uh some a little bit of fall guys but i ended that quickly uh but mainly because i got on to download uh ghost of uh, tsushima Um, so i'm gonna get into that soon yeah, that game's incredible. Yeah, Caleb loved that. Yeah, no, I'm I'm ready to get into it. That's for sure. Please get into it so we can talk about it because that's all I want to <laughs> do now. Okay. So I have a question: Are there still people out there getting on playing Journey? Yeah, like, no, yeah. I ran into several people. Yeah. Wow. It's really weird that you could get into that game and the entirely community-based mechanic of the white robes. Mm-hmm. Um, which in itself is an amazing thing to have even occurred. The fact that that game's like 10 years old now and there's still white robes that log into that game to help people is yeah. bananas. Yeah. It's bananas. Awesome. There's still people 10 years later being like, I'll hop on this game so I don't have anything better to do and we'll help two or three people yeah. and then we'll just disappear again. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I need to get back on there. I, I actually miss it. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I got it for PS. Yeah, yeah. You can. No, I know. I got it yeah, for Caleb my was... PS4 and was like, I'm a blaze, and then just kind of forgot yeah. that I had it. But now I want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, oh, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Okay. You're going to ask me what I'm about... playing? Oh, 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 yeah, Anthem. Caleb, oh. um, I don't even know why we got back into Anthem. I, I think it was more me. Maybe I'd heard you guys talking about it. No, we wanted like... a game for our group to play because we That's were, right. like, we were, we're like a plague of. Group. We're like a plague a of locusts, and we yeah, don't. A family um, game night. Yeah, we don't. We don't but stick then, with something for long because we eat it and shred it and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> Last night we played what three or four hours of Sea of Thieves. We keep going back to that. That was but, that was um, two nights ago, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Monday. What is time? Uh, but to wait, yeah, sorry. Time. So in Anthem, can you have a group of three or a group of four? Four. Three. Just three. Four. Okay. Four. We're four? playing me, you, Ben, and. My mom. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That's okay. Right. So then, before. so you, Kara, and mom are getting on Thursday to play Anthem. You want to yeah. play? Want to play too? I've got it. Ah! So. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay, do it. Do it. Download it. It's fun. Yeah, the thing is, it's already downloaded. Yeah. The thing yeah. is, it's oh. it's like a game that had a lot of potential that yeah. got canceled, which is absolutely what it is. Um, and that's another yeah. thing. We're gonna have yeah. to do a deep dive into the the cancel culture, the game, the cancel culture eh. in games. Well, well, in games. Yeah. Well, in, no, in games, in games. Yeah, Anthem's not mm-hmm. a result of cancel culture. Yeah, Anthem, they Anthem, Anthem was Anthem was bad, <laughs> and it wasn't. It, it, we are playing it now, even after yeah. two years, and it's still got a lot of issues. And like mm-hmm. I said last time, like there are a lot of like high expect high expectations set by gamers and they expect Mm -hmm. the greatest thing ever but there is Mm -hmm. also the difference between when a studio doesn't promise something and then when a studio does promise something and then don't deliver that something and anthem had been promised to be this something and Mm -hmm. so well i'm sure enjoying the heck out of it now man oh man oh man yeah we are we are enjoying it um it'll be interesting to see how everybody feels when it's over because I remember how I felt. It's just, <laughs> um, well, the thing is, though, but you're like, you've masterworked all your weapons. You're like, you're like a masterful player. Oh, yeah, the game's kind of not fun. You put some time for, into it. The, game, the game's kind of not fun for me right now because we're playing on level difficulty levels that I'm like, pew. Oh, no, he's dead. Shit. <laughs> yeah. He, um, now that Kara's which, got the level 66 guns, even she can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. What are you playing, man? Before we get into another um, full conversation. Um, well, I think I've already talked about it. I'm playing Anthem. I am certainly looking for a solo game right now. I need something oh. that I can pour myself into, like Hellblade. Go get Prey. Or... Go, go download Prey. Prey. Okay. Yep. Right now. Prey? That's like the Prey? same, guys. It's the same P-R-E-Y. studio. P-R-E-Y. Yeah, P-R-E-Y. Oh, okay. It's the, same, <laughs> it's the same studio that made Dishonored. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the most underrated but easily best games of the last generation. That's exactly especially, what I want. Especially like for an good. immersive sim. Like, you're on a space mm-hmm. station, stuck on a space station that's been infested by aliens, and half of the aliens are mimics and can look like anything. So there's a point 
where you're walking up a staircase and you're like, did that chair just move? And then you turn your back on it and an alien, it turns into an alien and attacks you. Um, and then you start Uh-oh. splicing with Spoiler. their, and then you, st- well, I mean, it happens all over the place, but then you start okay. splicing with their DNA and like, you need to get into that room, but there's only a little slot where like a teller would hand you tickets. will turn into a coffee cup and then roll under that slot and then pop back open as a person. It's wild and extremely good. Um, oh my also, God. The, also the voice acting is incredible. Um, and it's on mm. game pass because Bethesda. Oh, Okay. I'll do it. So Please. that's that's my answer between Destiny, Sea of Thieves, Warframe, um, <laughs> and Anthem. <laughs> right. I want a good solo game. Right. That's the ones I'm. Those are the plates I'm spinning right now. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. sure. And I play um, and I play Warframe till I go like this. And I can't play another minute, and then I'll play Destiny until I get filled the top, and then <laughs> and then go back and forth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I am in. Phantom Brigade, that game I mentioned that I got Monday. Ugh. It's like Mexcom, which most people won't understand, but it's like XCOM, but with mechs. So I'm calling it <laughs> Mexcom. It's very good. Did um, you coin that word? It's a turn-based game with, with mechs, but rather than like, I go here and here and here. Now it's your turn. You go there and there and there. Now it's my turn. I go here mm-hmm. and here and here. Your, you your That last time. That last half of your sentence cut out. Yeah, so instead of I go, and then you go, and then I go, Mm -hmm. it is your force, the Phantom Brigade, has discovered this technology that allows you to predict the next, like, five seconds of combat. And so, when it's your turn, when you decide, like, I'm going to move over here, as you move along that, that route with your mouse, and it tracks where your mech is going to move, you can see their, the enemies moving as well. So you know mm-hmm. where they're going. And like when they attack you, you can see like a little ping, like they're going to attack here. And so like I have a mech that's got a shield on his left arm. So I can like pick to move here and decide to shield at this point in the timeline while my movement's this point. So like I can slide it around. And then after mm. I put it there, I can tell him what to block. So I can aim it like that guy. So I can run, and then he puts up the shield and blocks his attacks, and then can, like, turn and attack this thing over here. And so what you do is you move all your mechs, and you plan it all out, and you check the timeline over and over again to make sure you've come up with the best, like, (laughs) solution for the next five seconds. And then you hit play, and you watch it play out. And everything moves at once, and everything moves at the same time. I had one the other day where, like, my shield mech needed to get through this doorway, but the only way to do that doorway was a a town gate they're big mm-hmm. the only way to do that was to run past a mech that was coming out of it and so i was like what if i run there and decide to use my shield and aim it at that mech when we we're supposed to collide what would happen and so what happens is this mech put its shield in and then lowered its shoulder and like bounced off of this one and like threw it into the building and did damage to it, and then he like did a spin move and moved off to the side undamaged. It's great. I love it. It's very good. Oh. Uh, and then I got a code for a game called Dwarf Romantic that is uh, a little hexagonal city builder that's really artistic and beautiful that lets you just build these big sprawling towns. And I got the code sent to me, and it came with a message that was specifically like, Yo, you played a. We watched you stream a game called uh, Townscaper, and this game was inspired by that. And we think you'd really like this. So here, oh. so I'm, I'm gonna play that. So let's see how that is. Nice. Oh, how nice! Yeah. All Very right. Cool. Well, as much as as fun as this has been, it's been two hours. So we probably should wrap it up. It, yes. People, it has. people yeah. got lives and and dogs and people have lives, kids weird. and. I have kids. VR to do. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. All right. So let's uh, let's wrap up and then stay okay. on the call. Don't hang up when I say bye. It's going to be okay. the end of the episode. So anyway. All right. All right. Um, well, everybody have fun and come back and talk to us again someday. Okie dokie. <laughs> if you guys all get into Anthem, we'll have to do another Anthem episode. But yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. Yeah, we'll Absolutely. do it. Okay. Yeah. All right, everybody. All right, guys. It was fun. Thank you. Toodaloo. And Peace what out. I always say is, Thumbs bye up. forever. <laughs> um, bye forever. 
<laughs> My grandma says thumbs up, and Christian says bye forever. <laughs> <laughs>